0: Welcome to Blink of an Eye, life stories of trauma, loss, awakenings, and epiphanies, beginning with one mom's journal entries recorded in real time of a catastrophic diving accident rendering her teenage son paralyzed from the neck down and the courageous fight to save his life. Told through unedited text and journal entries and inspiring guest interviews blink of an eye will take you on a powerful journey of advocacy and hope and an unvarnished look at the true nature of our relationships and interconnectedness in the face of an event that changes everything.
1: Season 2, Episode 8, Lollipops and Laughter. Hello, everyone. It's so good to feel you again as we listen in together. You know, I heard from a listener, Addison, in Charlotte, North Carolina, who told me she listens to every episode on her regular commute, and she cries and laughs and cries and laughs again. Yes, the trauma journey, it's not all bitter herbs, and it's hardly linear. But you know that, right? (laughs) Of course you do. Well, what we want to do is give ourselves permission during our lives and our own trauma healing journeys to experience all the emotions. They are all a sacred part of being human, created in divine image. That's the way I like to view emotions. They are all important. And laughter and tears, well, they are the cleansers for trauma. And I think of both as being the outlet of big energy trapped inside our bodies. So we need them both. And isn't it amazing the capacity we have as human beings to laugh? even in the midst of great sorrow or upheaval. Thank you, Addison, and I am thrilled you are telling your friends and those whom you counsel and serve. I loved how you shared that you are experiencing confirmation of what you have learned in your grief counseling classes with Stephen Ministers, as well as learning new aspects of how the body heals. So in this episode, I'm covering three days for the first time because it was so up and down and non-linear. The positive frame and the prayer and the lightness from friends amidst the dark really helped Archer and me too. I think the gift is in the totality of it that humor is still in the context of disbelief and the reality of a tragedy, and sadness is still in the context that we want to live again and live through a tragedy. When my producer read a draft of the script for this episode, she was reminded of how at Jewish weddings, a wine glass is broken as a reminder of the bitter among the sweet and the sweet among the bitter in life. I love that. And I thank my Jewish friends for so much of their tapestry. I think this episode gets at this paradox and I will write more about it in the trauma healing learning. After all, Jewish people break a wine glass to symbolize the destruction of the temple. And Jesus died for all sins to symbolize the destruction of the human body, but only to rise again. (laughs) That's powerful stuff, whether you're a believer or not, that the origins of our faith recognize a destruction of what humans have made for the glory of what is to come, unity and perfection. Okay, so back to the story, August 2015. Settle in, take a deep breath wherever you are, settle your spirit. Here we go. August 19th through the 21st, days 15 through 17. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Day 15, Wednesday. I threw on some clothes and was in my car driving up the Garden State Parkway. Billy had just called and told me to come right away. It seemed that everything I thought I knew or felt in my gut was being challenged. Believe Louise, but I was scared. But I was not scared. And I was scared about being not scared. I was aware of how overwhelming everything was. And I was trying so hard to do what I thought I would normally do but I was scared that I was operating out of a blind spot. Faith, was it a blind spot, Lord? Please guide me. My friend Mary Jo Detterman from Baltimore and I had been texting back and forth for a few days, a lot actually,
2: ever since she and her son Mike had come to visit us in Atlantic City
1: all the way from home. You remember Mike Detterman, one of Archer's boyhood friends whom you also know from season one and the bonus
2: episode. Well, Mary Jo, his mom, had become one of
1: my friends too. As the mother of one of my kids' friends, you know how that goes. Yeah. Some of the best people you meet and become good friends with are the parents of your children's best friends. Isn't that the truth? You know, it really does make a difference when someone comes to see you in the ICU. It's unforgettable. And I now know it's also unforgettable for them too. I think an emotional connection is established for both that is indelible thereafter. Maybe you've had such a similar experience. Well, Mary Jo had been texting me that she couldn't get Archer out of her head. I was actually comforted by that. I didn't want her to get Archer out of her head. I wanted us to be on the minds of our friends. To exist, to be seen, to be thought of. Because I believed that would create more of what we needed unified, focused thoughts and prayers for a higher vibration for healing. And these three days confirmed that for me. All these years later, I had a chance to interview Mary Jo and talk about something we have never talked about before. I thought, I did not think he would survive
2: I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, I, I just do what's right for him. Because I was really grappling with, was this Archer's time? I know. Was I supposed to, you know, be gracious and thank God for the time I had him, you know, right. and then let him go? Yeah. Other people might have given up, but you would not.
1: Oh, Louise,
2: it was remarkable. I know I became relentless. I know I was quite difficult at times, but I just kept getting these signs right. that he wasn't supposed to die in the hospital.
1: It's kind of how it was. I really do believe in signs because I think God and the Holy Spirit and the communion of saints and the natural world full of God's imprint are everywhere. And I look for them. But you know, it's when I'm not looking for them and they're there and they show up or I happen to notice them that my breath taken away and I'm totally surprised do you know what I mean and I delight when I see them and I am filled with awe. well that is what was happening with Archer I would watch Archer motionless and far away and even gray and then I'd see or think I saw a golden light around him and I'd close my eyes and imagine him walking and laughing and I'd open my eyes and he'd be propped up on his side again and the buzzers would be sounding off. Everything that mattered was intention. Why did everything have to come with such punitive trade-offs? I was struggling to stay grounded with the growing realization that for every gain, there seemed to be a new setback. What was needed to stimulate adequate blood circulation for Archer was not compatible with his body's ability to tolerate the hourly turnings and rotations. The lung machines needed to inflate his lungs were no longer compatible with what was necessary to keep his heart beating. And I wondered about the suction stick that was necessary to clean out his lungs and the way his vitals dropped dramatically low each. I knew he hated it by the look in his eyes, sort of a terror, really. I couldn't imagine. That frightened me. And they had stopped using a fresh wand each time now and just stuck the used one back in a plastic bag. I wondered about that, too. But we were still on for surgery the next day. As we hoisted Archer upright, I almost got tangled up in the many tubes coming out of his body. Oh my God, it scared me to death. I apologized to Archer. And then I laughed. And I could see his eyebrow raise a tiny bit the way he used to do when he was teasing me like, Scandalous for something I did that was a mistake. Archer is a very humorous boy with a wry sense of humor. But it was like one of those Norman Rockwell prints
2: where someone goes tripping over someone else and they wind up like face to face
1: in a most silly confrontation. It's almost comical. I really felt the grace in that room. And I was aware of the faint smell of rose. Thank you, Mother Mary. I still found that his real needs were not so much the machines and equipment. They were the micro things, the tiny little things that the staff really didn't have time for or didn't notice. We had so much to monitor and so much to learn. But I had learned about micro needs and how much they mattered to Archer. I believe they must matter to most patients. On my list of calls to make that day, as noted in my journal, were calls to medical insurance coverage specialists, calls to rehab places in Baltimore who could accommodate a quadriplegic and costs, calls to my office about mail and bills, calls about setting up meetings with my staff to discuss what I thought we could still do and what we couldn't and what was needed to stay afloat until I got back. Calls to the kids' schools to find out about payment plans for tuition and deferment plans. Calls to Dutch's coach. Calls to friends to drive Dutch to soccer practices, arranging where Dutch could stay the next two weekends since he would be in soccer practices before school started and not able to come to Atlantic City. And I had things to take care of for the big kids. The list of what we still had to get for Dewey's college move into his apartment. And the balance due on Pete's apartment where he would be living his last semester of college. And their college tuition payment plans. I think I was sort of numb about it all. Just knowing it had to be done. And so it would be like Yul Brenner, and so it shall be done. But there was just so much. When I was in a very large negotiation with Billy, if I agreed to these many little things that he wanted, I thought he would agree not to sell my building that housed Baltimore Mediation. That is what I cared deeply. The funny thing is, I had no idea how much everything was really changing. Do you ever know? I don't know. I was in constant dialogue with God to guide me. I treasured the nightly drives back to Cape May. In the wee hours of the night so I could clear my head and think. Each of the 50-minute drives to and from the hospital actually refreshed me because I was away from the buzzers and intensity of the ICU and its stale air. I looked forward to the privacy of my car and the luxury of being able to roll over a thought a few times in my mind without pressure. I stared out into the darkness of the highway, feeling the summer night air on my left arm and palm of my hand as I stretched it out in the wind and passed one mile marker after another you know as part of the look back i think every family with a loved one in an intensive care unit for a long time needs something every day like a long drive something that gives them the grace privacy alone time An oasis to think and feel away from the ICU. Oh, the day had been so full that the only thing I posted around midnight was a message to family and friends that said, Paula is posting updates for me today on beingrelational.com and on Facebook as some of you already figured out. The originally posted time for surgery is changed. It is still tomorrow, but it is now 9 a.m. and not 10.30 a.m. There is so much to be grateful for. I am grateful for life, for friendship, sending you so much love. I cherish each of you so much. Please know that your love and prayers are felt and returned and felt again and returned again and again. Please say a rosary for us and a special intention for tomorrow, 9 a.m. surgery for Archer. Sending me love. Within minutes of posting, I received this text from my dear grade school friend, Noreen Kane Gant, who is halfway across the country from me in Missouri. It was 12.02 a.m. her time. Louise, I read your yesterday post 15 minutes ago and have imagined your every descriptive word. They allow me to see and feel as you do, all that is happening externally and in your head. My heart aches as if your archer were my son. I lay in bed practicing guided imagery each night, projecting healing in his lungs and muscles, and imagine the purging of toxins and fluids in his body that have taken up residence there. It may sound crazy, but I know firsthand the mind-body connection is the most powerful. But most of all, I feel you and your soul projecting such strength, wisdom, and strong faith, completely authentic, But I also know inside of you, there is the girl I grew up with, in need of more than words of support, more than prayers, more than hugs, sleep, and nourishment. You need a place to let your fears, anger, and tears come out, not just in your head privately, or on your pillow when you are alone. Your great faith and strength come naturally for you. I am certain you are the rock for Archer and all of your family. I wish that I was able to be there to hold you, allowing you to feel the security we had in childhood, to disclose our deepest feelings shrouded in privacy while lying in bed until the sun came up. I hope you have someone who let in closely, beyond family, to take you to that place now. I believe in our moments of deepest weakness and sorrow, we are filled with God's grace to carry on. When we are down on our knees, worn out from our efforts, and dedication to improvement in our lives. Many nights, I am up, unable to sleep. I am here. Larry has booming snores, so you will not disturb him or anyone if my cell rings or a text comes in, in the quiet of night, or between the rhythm of sounds, From those life-saving, alarming, beeping machines that never stop constantly reminding you that every second has to be monitored to maintain life. How I wanted to silence them so many nights with my mother's stay in the ICU. Darkness brings out my demons, personal doubts, and fears. So, dear old friend, please hear this and know that I am with you, truly with you, and will provide that place of safety if you need to go there. I am right behind you, holding you up with love and strength to get through each day. Nurture your soul each day so that you can nurture Archer and your family. Manage his care and your business as best you can now. If it feels selfish, it is not. Whatever you can do to recharge, do it. Much continued love, prayers, and strength coming to you from all of us here love, Noreen. I was so filled with love for my childhood friend. We can pick up wherever we left off and it's always resonant and full of wonder and wanting only the best for each other. I lay my head on the pillow and felt the warm, balmy summer air on my face coming in through the open outside door. As part of my look back, I also know that these kinds of friends are central to the trauma healing journey. I hope you have someone, even one person, in your journey like this. Their wisdom is in knowing how to love you fully. With the knowing that all reactions are okay. They are there to catch, hold, and listen some more to your every expression of grief and doubt, to fantasy thinking and dreams, back to raw realizations and deep sorrow, and back again. They are witnesses to the miracle that you are journeying through and not bypassing. Do you have a forever friend like that? I hope you send them a text right now or give them a call and tell them how much you love them. My next update was August 20th. Day 16 at 10.35 a.m. Thursday. We offered a blessing over his surgeon's hands that they might be guided by Archer's guardian angels. Archer is successfully out of surgery. Just wheeled back from the O.R. back to his ICU room. He looks good. We will wait for him to come out of anesthesia. Thank you, God. Thank you, prayer warriors. You have stormed heaven again, and God has heard you. This is an important milestone day in recovery out of ICU. We will hope that he may be able to talk in a few months, food and drink maybe then too maybe not but we are believers sending love a prayer of thanksgiving for today amen it was true about the surgeon i asked if i could go into the operating room with archer they said it was not allowed so I asked if I could see the surgeon. They told me the surgeon would come to the room to talk with me. The anesthesiologist had arrived too, as I had to sign papers and give consent on Archer's behalf. We then gathered around Archer's bed, and I invited the surgeon and anesthesiologist to hold hands with us and a couple nurses too as we said a prayer for the tracheotomy surgery. Dear Lord, please look over Archer and this surgical team for this tracheotomy surgery. Lord, we know that putting a tube into Archer's windpipe is routine for these doctors, but we also know that Archer is precious cargo and we ask in your name that this surgery is smooth and please Lord let the team know we have full confidence in their care and expertise and please Lord allow Archer to experience anesthesia with ease and confidence and please be with him throughout the surgery and send your angels to be by his side when he wakes up We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of a surgery that will restore Archer's voice. In your name, amen. As we finished and dropped our hands, there was a moment of awkwardness, as I have never had such a prayer circle in my life like this in the hospital. I had a flash, though, of the many meetings with the inner city churches the black church pastors and deacons who would gather us together and pray spontaneously for our safe haven. They'd pray for Sister Louise, the only white person around, and I felt that lift. I think those experiences had a tremendous impact in my life. So, it was then in room 3117 After our makeshift prayer circle, I felt quite uninhibited and even compelled to ask the surgeon if I could touch his hand. He seemed a little unsure, but willing. I clasped them gently together and looked him right in the eye and said, May archers, guardian angels dance on your fingers and skillfully guide your hands as you operate on our son, Archer. I smiled warmly and said, Amen. I then leaned in and ever so lightly kissed his hand. I looked up and met his eyes I smiled again to convey, we had full confidence in him, and we took nothing for granted. But I was as surprised at myself for doing that as I think he was that I did that. He had such a curious look on his face, and
2: then I laughed out loud, and so did he.
1: It was a moment of, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Pure release, pure joy, pure connection. It was pure, like we both had just been so vulnerable. With all those witnesses in Archer's room, it was unforgettable for me. I knew the surgery would go well. You know, as part of the look back all these years later, I wonder why we don't create the opportunity for some sort of ritual or prayer to bless the hands of the surgeon or the hands of the robotics team in the presence of the patient. The patient's confidence is as important as the surgeon's. It's another meaningful way the positive frame can be conveyed for both. And for those who believe in God, the Holy Spirit, or for those scientifically oriented who study quantum physics, or for those who adhere to noetic science principles, which is a combination of both, you know that energy follows attention. Placing your attention and positive regard on the surgeon's hand, I believe, matters. The energy of love and confidence will be in that operating room I wonder what all of our surgeon friends think about this but why not right but there's something more too such a ritual reminds the great medical experts that they are not alone either and there is a beauty In humility, and there is an ease that not everything is resting in their hand, and they can relax into an alignment of focused attention. And at the very least, perhaps routine surgeries will no longer be simple routines. They are certainly not routine for most patients. And it's the routine that often causes the errors. Every doctor and risk manager knows that. So a little ritual might just bring some needed mindfulness to the procedure. Yeah. And you know why else I like the idea and practice a lot? And maybe you do too, and maybe you've already done it yourself. Every cut, every incision through the flesh into the body is a trauma to the body and will leave scar tissue. And scar tissue blocks energy flow. So a surgeon with great skill and with great care and love might just minimize the medical trauma and impact the cells differently more than we know right now you know what i'm talking about if you've ever had a root canal and they did a gouge or they went about it very delicately it matters and it matters for healing I still chuckle to this day, though, as I think about that moment of laughter with the surgeon. After surgery, the release of all those bandages and the tape, taping down the tubes in his nose across his face, taping in place the tube in his mouth. Well, it was like the cellophane wrapping on a bouquet of flowers being un and he sort of expanded and his face began to unfold. I swear it's true. And he was like a flower opening. I'll never forget the gaze Archer gave me, which was so sweet like I could see him again. I couldn't help myself from crying a little because that's just it. I couldn't help myself from crying and I didn't care that Archer saw me this time. These tears were tears of joy and I
2: burst into laughter. I know that has surely happened to you, too, that you're crying and then release and then laughter. But I laughed because I saw Archer's wry smile pass over his face, his lips being able to move
1: for the first time in over two weeks, released and joyful as well. He was strong, so strong. And I think he was happy too. My son Petey drove back to join me and it felt like I hadn't seen him in forever. I just wanted to hold him too. I just realized how exposed all my emotions were. I sent the next update on Friday as a look back to Thursday here it is august 21st friday day 17 and august 20th thursday day 16. where do i begin to update you all the amazing and i mean truly amazing progress archer is making yesterday and again today sitting strapped into a chair for about three hours a day, upright, his heart strong in the low and mid-fifties. Okay, still low, pre but getting stronger. The food tube that contorted his nose for over two weeks but kept him alive is now moved to his abdomen in a smaller tube still keeping him alive. The large ventilator hard tube is out of his mouth and rerouted to a new opening cut in the front of his throat from the successful tracheotomy surgery yesterday. His freedom and ability to move his lips and thus ability to mouth words that we try to make out and match to the budding expressions he is beginning to make on his face as he gets stronger so much good so much to thank god for i have been rejoicing for a day and a half and all that has come with that with new doctor meetings, the ability to make calls to insurance and physicians for the first time in between the usual moment-to-moment needs Archer can express, noting his needs changing, paying attention to new nuances, and learning the new settings on the machines to study and become familiar with. There is a cooperative feeling in the room and many staff linger. I think it is the aroma of essential oil, fresh air, from flowers and the soft music. Archer, so responsive, is weak, but so full of inner life. And his funny side comes through in his come see, come saw expressions as we gently babble to him in light conversations, celebrating that he is so responsive. The spiritual music, and lavender and peppermint is still high medicine, fostering his repose and life. It takes vigilance daily to keep and maintain it, and we are all in. If it were possible at this time for him to have any air to speak or laugh, he certainly would have but settled for a sweet rolling of his eyes when one moment I couldn't make out for the life of me the words he was forming with his mouth and I leaned my ear so close to his lips
2: to see if I could hear his tiny whisper that (laughs) I practically mashed him when I realized as if an epiphany
1: that no matter how close I got there is no whisper because there is no air. Not even a teeny tiny weak word. We made it a smile moment. But it actually broke my heart again. The gravity of it all still takes me by surprise at times. Later, the doctor said it may be a long time until we hear his voice when they said that Archer and I exchanged knowing glances and I said to him someday he gave me a slow motion wink They also took one of the lung tubes off this afternoon, which Petey witnessed and Archer got his hair washed for the second time. A real luxury. He still cannot swallow or cough due to the spinal cord being severed along with the C5 break. Yet he continued to ask when he could have water which we think is all very good sign I continued with the ice cold super tiny mini sponges on sticks what we now call our mini lollipops which I've figured out become softer and also absorb a lot more water if they're washed in soap and reused just like a kitchen sponge Archer relishes them and the nurses approve. Because it's okay medically. Because it's a method that Archer has devised, fighter that he is, to use the small amounts of water to gag and thus loosen up and get more gunk out of his lungs, which he practices all day long. And honestly, because yesterday we did no less than one hundred mini lollipops and they can't keep him supplied. He has a very strong will to breathe on his own. It almost bordered on sheer delight when he mouthed to me with a wry archer smile the word two. In went two mini lollipop
2: sponges at a time, pressed into the inside cheeks of his mouth, first the left, then the right. And we both got so carried away with the
1: new lollipop joy and our ability to talk with each other through lip reading that Archer mouthed to me, simply orange, which is his favorite orange juice. I inquired, about when we might have other liquids and was roundly brought up that even more water than what we are doing now is a no-no since he neither has the ability to swallow or cough and anything other than water pressed into the size of his mouth could go down his throat with no way to clear it and could also get into the air tube of the ventilator on the trach and could cause a bacteria infection very easily. That was a data point was not so refreshing. And another nurse came in to remind us that it would likely be many months before Archer gets even water. Those nurses were not part of what we see as team sound. It was unnecessary for her to come in and say this. We know that. We also respect that she felt she was doing her job. We also hold, maybe, maybe not. Archer is determined and the Lord is with him. So we continued with our lollipop tiny sponges and I invited him to close his eyes and imagine he was drinking orange juice and how good it tasted and felt and made him feel happy. I asked him to feel that feeling of happiness in all of his molecules. I closed my eyes and tried to feel it with him. It seemed to be enough, at least for that moment. He is such a good kid. Please keep praying. I'll send you the prayer for a creative miracle. Please pray it for us. We love you. I love you. Archer loves you. And we feel your love. Amen. Yes, the corner had turned. It felt that way. As we close, I want to share what also happened on this Friday, day 17. It was as good as our lollipops, but even longer lasting and allowing us to feel uplifted. We were getting more mail delivered to room 3117 as the days wore on, and what arrived was a lovely card sent to me from a teacher at Cathedral School in Baltimore, Mary Lou Healy. You've met Mary Lou in season one, as she too was a friend of many years and had taught Archer in grade school on their vacation in Avalon, New Jersey. She and all five of her kids came to visit us. She then sent a card and in the card, was a prayer, a creative miracle. I was not familiar with it. But when I interviewed Mary Lou, I learned how it came about.
3: And so when this happened with Archer, you know, that made me feel like I was feeling your not grief, but your pain almost Uh, that Archer experienced cardiac arrest and is recovering from the episode. The swimming accident has now affected most of his organs. He has won full life support. And you asked us to pray a rosary for Archer. I knew that I needed something more to give you. And I mean, there's different types of prayer. And so... I, in fact, I still, I still have, I printed it out, but the, so, um, Archer was the last one, (laughs) and it was in 2015, the last time I pulled this prayer out, I suppose, and it's still personalized with Archer's name in it, I don't know, I kind of think of prayers as, like, we have some in our toolbox, and some we bring out for certain occasions, you know, like, my go-tos, yes, right, I was searching and found the Catholic healing prayers. And that was how I discovered the creative miracle prayer.
2: I'm so, so grateful. For For me, the creative miracle prayer in its specificity helped me to really pray specifically and in, in the way of, I I'd experienced communal prayer, you know, the, the mm-hmm. power of many people praying together for something and and that prayer so helped me kind of gave me permission to talk about the body and and then and then it also became for me a a complete metaphor of we're all in this together a creative
1: we're, we're in a creative miracle that was it. It was not just the prayer itself, but what it meant in a much larger way. I felt the gravity of the potential of a creative miracle. And the prayer request was so specific and so graphic when I read it. I literally felt my own insides move. Like the times I was pregnant and would feel the baby move in my womb. I did. Maybe it was cellular memory. I don't know. I was gripped by the words to be restored to perfection in his mother's womb. I was so taken by this prayer. I sat down and a hand wrote it out. I wanted to remember it, but I wanted to live into it. A creative miracle. I left it on the counter for any medical staff to see. Here it is. Prayer for a Creative Miracle God of all creation, you who spoke a simple command and brought forth light from the darkness, we call upon you now to send forth your miracle-working power into every aspect of Archer's being. In the same way that you spoke unto the dust of the ground when you created humankind in your own image, we ask you to send forth your healing power into Archer's body. Send forth your word and command every cell, electrical, and chemical impulse, tissue, joint, ligament, organ, gland, muscle, bone, and every molecule in his body to come under complete and perfect health, strength, alignment, balance. It is through you that Archer lives and moves and has been. With every breath he takes, he lives under your life-giving grace. We ask you to touch Archer now with the same miracle-working power that you used when you fashioned him inside his mother's womb. As surely as you have created him in your image, and likeness you can also recreate him now and restore his complete health please fill archer with your healing power cast out all that should not be inside of him we ask you to mend all that is broken root out every sickness and disease open all blocked arteries and veins, restore his internal organs, rebuild his damaged tissues, remove all inflammation and cleanse him of all infections, viruses, and destructive forms of bacteria. Let the warmth of your healing love flood his entire being so that his body will function the way it was created to be, whole and complete, renewed in your perfect health. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I did believe Archer's body would be restored. I also realized his body might be destroyed. But that destruction was symbolic like the Jewish wine glass. Archer's temple would be rebuilt into something more beautiful. Whatever your faith tradition, or even if you are unsure about a faith tradition, or even about God, a divine source is always there for us. We don't know how that miraculous power will manifest, but when we believe in healing power, all things are possible. They are. If you or a loved one is ailing, read aloud the prayer for a creative miracle. Google it and just substitute your own name or your family member, your dear friend, God hears every plea. If it seems far out there, it might be. And yet it's as natural and near and familiar as a warm embrace. Together we can create a healing vibration. We are all energy, and we can change outcomes, even catastrophic outcomes. We can. The power of the creative miracle. We are all part of this wondrous creative miracle, and we don't know what it will be like. We just have to be open for what comes and believe it will be good and know that we will be transformed to something even better than what we are today. That's the miracle transformation. Everything is possible in God's time. God's time. I love you all and thank you for sharing this journey. Let's think of someone right now, as we close, who is not well, mentally, emotionally, or physically. And think of their cells and tissues. Bring them to mind on the screen of your memory and really see them. Try to feel them and their spirit and blend with them. And recite the creative miracle for them and smile as you do and send that smiling energy. Imagine a golden thread that connects you to them that allows your laughter and smile to reach them. Let's do this together for whoever it is who comes to your mind. I'm thinking of my friend Gray in North Carolina who just lost her son. And I'm beaming my love to her now. We are all points of light. We are all energy. All points of light can converge as we are reflections of one life, its healing potential and its powerful. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is precious, sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Thank you for tuning in to The Blink of an Eye Story. You may continue listening this Saturday to the Trauma Healing Learnings that accompany this story at Trauma Healing Learning, Episode 8, Lollipops and Laughter. Thank you for listening. Together, We are raising the vibration for healing.
0: You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. For 28 years, Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue.